Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. What up? Welcome to another weekly dose of Wicked. So glad you've joined us yet again. Ready to get your socks blown off? Oh, socks blown off they shall. This week's going to be a little weird because last week I covered Brittany Drexel. And this week I'm going to cover another case. It should be Ashley's turn, but she's got a lot going on in her life. She's moving. And so I, being the good sister that I am, volunteered to do two weeks in a row to give her a little bit of free time. I appreciate you so much. So here we are. Uh, It's also a little weird because it is Tuesday and our episode literally comes out in three hours. Oops. So I have my work cut out for me. Why are we so behind, you may ask? Well, there's this thing that I like to do. It's called procrastination. We're the best at it. We are. We're the very best. But no, in all actuality, we kept putting it off and putting it off because we had a super fun girls trip planned for this past weekend. And we just had so many things to do to get ready for that that we just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off until we couldn't put it off any longer. So here we are. Anyway, we had a super great time in Wilmington. Celebrating Sierra's 30th birthday. We sure did. Just a little public announcement for you guys. Um, Even the best of us, the best crime enthusiasts, sometimes we make mistakes. So we knew it was going to be a fun, packed weekend. When we arrived in Wilmington, we got ready to go out. I got out of the car, and I immediately followed a strange man down an alley for a shot. That was a bad choice. I think that that's what set the scene for the whole weekend. But, you know, it turned out okay because it was a sealed shot. It was. He was a super nice guy. And I think he was just trying to be a nice dude because it was your birthday. I think he was, too. Because it was my birthday. I had an sash that said Dirty 30, and he was like, oh, Dirty 30, follow me down this dark alley. And so I said, okay. I sure did. It was a good time, though. All in all, it was a good time. Um, we did have multiple brushes with death. Danger. Danger. It was a very dangerous weekend for sure. Um, let's see. We started off by nearly getting T-boned as somebody ran a red light going 75 miles per hour. Thank God Ashley has quick reflexes for once in her life and slammed on the brakes. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yep. And then I followed the man down the dark alley. We took shots on the street. We took shots on the street. Apparently on Friday there were how many shootings? Two. Two on Friday? I thought it was three. Nope. Two on Friday, two on Saturday. Two shootings on Friday, two shootings on Saturday. Um, on Saturday, we went on a wonderful One Tree Hill tour where we toured all of the destinations that they shot at for One Tree Hill because 
Fun fact, we love One Tree Hill. So, yeah, we did that. It was lots of fun. Um, I'm wearing my Keith Scott Body Shop sweatshirt as we speak. I've been wearing it for three days. (laughs) I'm not wearing mine. I took it off. Um, They all complained that my tour took too long and that I was being slow, just soaking in all the scenes. But let me just tell you, as we were driving back to our house, we saw all of these Wilmington police just, like, flying with their lights on. And I, jokingly, being, you know, the crime lover that I am was like, ha, 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 they're probably heading over to our house because it was a little sketchy of an area. Um, we then pulled into our house, and sure enough, they actually were at our house. Not directly at our house, but about four houses down, there was a shooting there. So thankfully- when we say the cops, there were approximately 72 cops. Yeah, there were so many cops. Every single cop off. in LinkedIn. It's really not funny because it was actually horrible, but it was pretty crazy. It was, it was pretty scary. So, yeah. So then I called, you know, the non-emergency- sheriff's department number and they said you know i'd like to tell you everything's fine but i'd go ahead and leave the area you're not in any imminent danger but i just go ahead and get out of there for a few hours go find something to do so that's what we did we then went back out we had a great time had dinner whatever um but yeah it was kind of kind of a crazy crazy weekend we got accused of stealing which oh, we, we did, did not do stealing, which we didn't do yeah it was pretty crazy but you know Sarah what i tried to fight a man on the streets i did not try to fight him on the street you're so dramatic <laughs> okay okay but anyways fun time interesting time we escaped our first escape room with 55 seconds to spare yep anyway it was a fantastic time so now that we filled you in on all of our fun little life things we have some announcements uh first announcement we have a new patreon member joining us on the level of the extraordinarily wicked Mandy Wiedemann. Woo! Woo! Ooh, get it, girl. Get it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That now makes our seventh Patreon member. We are moving on up. Moving on up. Uh, another thing is we now have 24 ratings on Apple Podcasts. Woohoo! And 11 reviews. You know how so we got that cool. many? By begging. Well, that. And we have a contest. That's true. We do have a contest going on, so head on over to our Facebook page or our Instagram for all the details on how to win some wicked cool weekly dose of wicked merchandise. You won't regret it. You won't, for sure. Uh, What else we got going on? Well, our Facebook page, obviously lots of fun over there. Um, Our Instagram, got lots going on over there. I updated our Instagram last week. I included our email. I also included our P.O. box in case you want to send us a little fan letter or, I don't know, anything you want to send to us. I gave you your, our P.O. box information. Can't imagine anyone's actually going to send anything. And I've actually never checked it. So who knows if there's even anything in there. I don't even know where it is, honestly. <clears throat> I know where it is. P.O. box 1142, China Grove, North Carolina. Zip codes on the Instagram. <laughs> that was good. I think it's like 28023. Is that right? 28023? I think that's it. I have no idea. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to send us anything. Anyway, moving on. Um, I also updated our Instagram with a link tree. On our link tree, we have a link to our Buzzsprout, a link to our Patreon, a link to our Facebook, a link to our merch store, and a link that I recently added where you may now request a case. Woohoo! Didn't know you added that. So head on over there if you got something. I did. I did. I was very busy little bird on Thursday when I did that. Good job. So that's there. So yeah, head on over. Give it a little look. See what you like. Whatever. If you want to do any of that stuff. Cool, cool. Um, I think that's really all we got, man. That's it. That's it. So let's jump into our case. 
You ready for this? I'm ready. All right, so let's start off with a little crime lesson. Today, we're going to talk about stalkers. Ooh. Bam, bam, bam. There are two main categories of stalkers. Those two main categories can then be broken down into subcategories, but there are two main headers of where stalkers fit. Much like beer, how you got your loggers and ales, you've got intimate and non-intimate stalkers, or as I like to refer to those ones as stranger stalkers. Okay. Intimate stalkers are pretty much exactly what they sound like. Uh, The victim and the stalker at one point in time had an intimate relationship of some kind, whether it be romantically friendly or even just like a personal relationship or I'm sorry, a professional relationship, like a work colleague. Regardless, there are bones to that relationship. It's a meaty relationship. They've got some stuff going on. Intimate stalkers can then be broken down into multiple subcategories based off of the kind of relationship that you had. You've got like, you know, scorned lovers. You've got like revenge, you know, whatever. There's I think there's seven categories under intimate. Uh, stranger stalkers a little different. Stranger stalkers uh, have a brief encounter with their victims, and then one of two things happens. The stranger stalker continues a one-way relationship with the victim. Notice how I said relationship like that, because it's not actually a relationship. Um, this is better explained through the subcategory of organized. When you have an organized stranger stalker, they meticulously plan every move, and they make contact with their victim anonymously. So most of the time, victims of organized stalkers don't know who they are. They just get like random creepy notes in the mail or a random phone call and the person doesn't tell them who they are. The other category of of stranger stalking is delusional stalking. Uh, These stalkers are more dangerous than organized stalkers because they have a psychological connection to their victim and they will make contact face to face. So they may accidentally run into you at the grocery store or drive by your house. Either way, you know they're there. Their presence is no secret and they don't try to keep it that way. So while stranger stalkers are pretty creepy, the most dangerous kind of stalker is actually an intimate stalker. Hmm. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like when you break up with your boyfriend and he won't leave you alone. Yeah, I guess. That makes more sense. Those are the types of stalkers that are the most dangerous. So the unorganized stranger stalker sounds the worst to me. He's not unorganized. He is delusional. Oh, whatever. Delusional stranger stalker. Not a fan. So statistically, 54% of female homicide victims reported stalking to the police prior to their murder. That's lovely. That's a really scary statistic, just saying. Um, I also found an article that said one in five women and one in 10 men are stalked. But on average, only about 800 people are arrested yearly for stalking. That is quite a difference. Quite terrifying, in my opinion. Um, I'm not sure how accurate that article was because it wasn't like a FBI.gov or like a legit law enforcement site. Um, regardless, though, like that's a terrifying statistic. Yeah, yeah, it is. To think that one in five women have a stalker and only 800 are arrested yearly. That's pretty scary. Right. <sighs> so that's going to bring us into our case today on Tracy Lynn Morris. And we're going to go through this and then we're going to decide whether we think that it was an intimate stalker or a stranger stalker. I already have what I think, but I don't know. I, I want to see what you think. Okay. I feel like it gets a little gray. I don't know. I didn't know there were so many different types of stalkers. There are. There's, like I said, seven subcategories of intimate and then two subcategories of non-intimate or stranger, as I like to refer to them. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, so Tracy Lynn Morris was born in Virginia on November 22nd, 1965. Tracy was a fighter from the very beginning. She was born via emergency C-section after her mother um, awoke during the night to discover that she was bleeding. Tracy's father notified police to clear the way, and he drove his wife 20 miles to the hospital. So thought that was pretty badass. That is pretty badass. Um, as an infant, Tracy also caught scarlet fever and nearly died. But she did, in fact, survive. So like I said, from the beginning, she was a fighter. Tracy had one older sibling. His name was Brian. He was two years older than her. But Tracy's parents uh, were foster parents, and she had many foster siblings through the years. Her mother said that she felt that it gave her children a rare sense of understanding for other people, and she thought that it made them better people in their adult lives. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Tracy's father was in the Navy, so they moved up and down the East Coast for most of Tracy's life before they finally settled in Madison, Alabama in 1981. At this time, Tracy was 16, but she had no issue with the transition. She quickly made friends. Uh, Some of those friends would remain friends for the rest of her life. After graduating high school in Alabama, Tracy went on to the University of North Alabama, where she studied nursing. She got her RN. She's remembered as being a loving, caring individual. She went into nursing because she had such a loving heart and wanted nothing more than to help people. She would go on to work in hospice care as well as local emergency rooms. Her mother said that nursing was her calling. In December of 1997, Tracy goes over to her parents' house because they have an early Christmas present for her. The present that they have is a puppy, and she's just over the moon. She's so excited for this gift. During this visit, though, Tracy meets 21-year-old Jason Sharp for the first time. Jason is there because he's working odd jobs trying to support his wife and child. So Tracy's parents have hired him to wash cars. Uh, This doesn't surprise me at all because much like Tracy, her parents seem like extremely loving people. They just want to help everyone. I mean, they were foster parents. Like it's not out of character that they would want to help someone. So Jason came through the neighborhood looking for extra work. He was a really nice guy and he was just trying to earn extra money for Christmas. So they, of course, uh, were like, yeah, come on in. You can wash our cars. So once Jason had finished washing the cars, he came into the house to let them know that he was done and to give him the car keys. And when he did that, he ran into Tracy and they struck up a casual conversation. He mentioned his, you know, financial struggles that he was having. And Tracy, being the super loving woman that she was, um, you know, she at this point, she was a single woman. She had a good job. She had no children. And she just had a heart of gold. So, of course, she volunteered to help Jason. She said, you know what? I've got some odd jobs for you to do. Why don't you come on over and, you know, I'll pay you to do work around my house. So he starts coming over to her house and she gives him the job to wash her car once a week. I don't know about you, but I don't even wash my own car once a week. So I think she was really just doing that to be helpful. I don't know that she really cared about the cleanliness of her car that much. Maybe she did. Maybe she was dad. Right. Dad gets his car washed once a day. Yeah. (laughs) Not really once a day, but multiple times a week. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he got it washed every day. I don't know. To me, it just kind of seemed like she was just trying to give him something to do to make extra money. So she's like, yeah, come wash my car once a week. Right. I couldn't tell you the last time I washed my car. Probably like a year ago. Well, my car hasn't been that long. The outside got washed. It seemed to me, though, 
he was doing like full details on these cars because like he had the keys to the cars. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I would love for someone to wash my car once a week, but I'm not going to take the time or the money to do that. So, well, whatever. Maybe if someone would come to me and do it, though, I might. There are actually detail places that will come to you and wash your car. Yeah, but they're super expensive. This is just a random dude off the street. I'm sure he wasn't that expensive. Okay, but she probably still paid him. I mean, she was doing it to be helpful, but she's still probably getting like 50 bucks a week, you don't think? I don't know. For a full detail of her car? I don't know. It doesn't matter. That's besides the point. Anyway, um, one of Tracy's friends said in an interview... That Jason kind of creeps them out. And that when he was done washing Tracy's car, he would hang around and just, like, chat with her. Uh, but that Tracy didn't really seem to have an issue with it. So she was like, whatever. Just kind of gave me the skeeves, but whatever. Uh, Tracy just saw Jason as, like, this young guy. He needed help. Um, at this point, Jason was 21 and Tracy was 32. So she really just felt like she was a mentor to Jason. And she was just was trying to be, like, a good influence in his life. Like, a good person in his life. It sounds like she was super sweet and kick-ass. She was. She was also super gorgeous. Yeah. She had that real fun, you know, late 90s hair, like super curly perm. She was adorable. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like she was busy, like, kicking ass and taking names. She was an RN, working in hospice, working at the ERs, like, she had a busy life. Yeah. She was a good person. Sounds like it. So, it's not long, and Jason starts to overstep, obviously. We knew that was coming, I think. I'm so shocked. He begins showing up at Tracy's house randomly just to chat with her. Not when he's washing her car, but just to hang out with her. Uh, And at this point, Tracy starts to get a little uncomfortable. But she still just sees Jason as harmless. I mean, he has a wife and a kid. Like, he just needs someone to talk to. And she doesn't see him as any sort of a real threat. She doesn't think he's, you know, a little overbearing and kind of clingy. But she just thinks, you know, he doesn't have any friends. Except he has a wife. Well, yeah. That's his friend. Clearly his wife isn't enough. He needed a friend. Okay. So anyway, as time goes on, Jason continues to complain to Tracy about his financial struggles. And Tracy really just, you know, feels for him. She really wants to help him out. She says that she'll do what she can and she's going to try and find him some more work. So she does that. You know, she contacts her landlord to see if maybe her landlord has anything that Jason can do. He's got multiple rental properties. Maybe Jason can mow the yard at them. Or, you know, if there's things that need to be fixed up around his rental properties, then Jason could do that. But unfortunately, the landlord says he doesn't really have anything Jason can do. So at this point, she has to tell Jason that she couldn't find anything and that really she just couldn't help him anymore. There wasn't much that she could do. I mean, she's already got him wash her car once a week. That's really the only job she's got for him. So that's when Jason starts visiting her even more frequently. So at this point, Tracy's like, okay, this is unhealthy and there's something wrong. Jason also starts calling her regularly and he now starts driving by her house. Hmm. This is like the real turning point in that relationship that they've got going. Where he becomes stalkery. I mean, I feel like he was already stalkery. I mean, yeah, but now he's like really stalkery. Yeah, now he's legit being a stalker. Um, so Tracy finally, you know, lays it out for him. And she's like, you know, I can't see you anymore. This friendship's over. You need to stay away from me. Your behavior is completely inappropriate. And at that point, Jason snaps and becomes violent. He blows up. He tries to push his way into her home. He puts his foot, like, in the threshold, in between the door and the threshold, to, like, try and, like, brace himself so he can push his way through. And Tracy fights back. He still continues to try and gain entry. Luckily, though, Tracy is able to push Jason out enough that she can shut and lock the door. Well, go, Tracy. He flees the scene. But, obviously, this encounter really leaves Tracy unsettled. I don't doubt that. Yeah, so, at this point, it becomes apparent that Jason is easily angered. And that he does not do well with rejection, which is never a good combination. No. Ever. 
But you know what? She's like, hopefully this will be the end of Jason. I told him what I needed to tell him. I was firm. I was like, leave me alone. Hopefully he'll leave me alone. So that's the end of the story. You left her alone. That's not what happened. Continue. No, that is not what happened. He begins calling her house regularly, like even more so than before. Before it was just random phone calls here there. Now he's calling her every day. And then this just also progressively gets worse. He starts calling her even more frequently. And now he's also calling at all hours. So he starts calling her like in the middle of the night, waking her up, disrupting her sleep. You know, she's an RN. He just will not let up. Uh, friends and family of Tracy did witness her answering the phone on multiple occasions and losing it on him. You know, telling him like, this is ridiculous, Jason. Leave me alone. Slamming the phone down. So multiple people saw her lose her temper over this. Well, yeah, it was probably super annoying. Yeah. So I shouldn't just change her phone number, though. I don't know. I mean, obviously, that wouldn't have stopped him either way, but. Could have helped her a little bit. All right. So honest, obviously, like, this really stresses her out. He's disrupting her life. Like, she's not able to get the rest that she needs. And she's just constantly on edge. Then one night, Tracy's having a movie night with her friend Francine. And Francine remembers hearing a car door shut. And she thought, hmm, that sounds like it's in the driveway. Like, it's really close. So she gets up off the couch. You know, they pause the movie. She gets up off the couch. She walks over to the window. Like, opens up the window, looks out. And he is just, like, peering through the window at her in her face. Hmm, That's creepy. So now... He does end up, like, leaving after a few minutes. She said it felt like hours, but it was really only a few minutes. Um, but, like, at this point, this is full-fledged stalking. Like, he's outside of her home in the middle of the night. Right. He's called her a hundred times. Right. She's Shook calling her, house, her. He's disrupting her sleep. Trying she's to trying break to push into, her into her home. Yeah, like, he's being a freaking lunatic. Tracy feels defeated, obviously. And she just doesn't really think there's anything that can be done about Jason. She thinks that if she just ignores it, then he'll go away. Eventually. Like, that's her plan of action. Just ignore him. That's not the best plan of action, Tracy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's any good plan of action with a stalker, honestly. Unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it really also depends on the stalker. I don't really think it matters on the stalker either. I don't know. We'll just continue. Let's see what happens. So things, again, just start to get worse. Jason begins parking outside of her house nearly every day. And he's just sitting in his car watching her. Watching her house. Watching her get home from work. Watching her leave for work. Anything, anything she does, he's watching. So at this point, Tracy becomes like super withdrawn. She gets to a point where she won't even leave her house unless it's necessary because he's outside waiting for her. Every time she looks out her window, Jason's there. Just really not a great position to be in. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. So at this point also, um, she hasn't told her family about this. Like her family has no idea this is even going on. Like the only people that she has confided in is Francine. Uh, Francine said that Tracy was the type of person who always put on a brave face Never let anyone see her sweat. So it really didn't surprise her that Tracy was keeping this from her family. So the only person that knew was her best friend? Is that what you said? Yeah, her best friend, Francine. Yep, that's the only person that knew. That was her best friend since high school. Okay. Tracy's mother and her brother think that the reason why she didn't tell them is because she was worried that her brother or her dad would try to put a stop to Jason's antics and in return they would get themselves into a mess. Right. Because he's clearly a lunatic. Right. So she just preferred to handle it herself. So at this point, it's been 10 months of miserable stalking for Tracy. And Jason, once again, makes face-to-face contact with her. He comes to her door and he confesses his love for her. He begs her to be with him. He tells her he'll leave his wife. He's just head over heels in love with her. Here's an idea, Jason. Go home and hang out with your wife. Right. It's a good, good advice there. But no, he wants Tracy. So Tracy, being the reasonable woman that she is, is like, No, Jason, you're a freaking lunatic. I'm not going to be with you. You've been stalking me for 10 months. Right. And at that point, Jason opens the door 
and once again tries to enter her home. But again, Tracy, being the badass that she is, is able to push him back out the door, shut the door, and lock it so that he cannot re-enter. And that's when she should have had to tase her and taste him. I agree. But this time, Tracy decides, you know what? I need to go to the police. I need some advice. I don't know what to do. So she tells him everything that's been going on, and they tell her, fantastic, we'll arrest him right away. Yeah? Is that what happened? No, that's not what happened at all. I didn't think so. They tell her, sorry, man, nothing we can do about it. Because that's what they always tell you when you tell police somebody stalks you or follows you home or whatever. They just do nothing about it. So they tell her, you know, there's no proof that he tried to force himself into her home. She doesn't have any solid evidence that any of this even happened. There's this crazy thing where they probably could have pulled her phone records and saw that he had called her hundreds and hundreds of times. Right. But no, told her nothing they can do. So they just send her back home, deal with it on her own. Good job. But then something, yeah, well, then something really weird happens. Jason just disappears. So days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, and there's no contact from Jason whatsoever. He's not been outside her house. He's not calling her. Like, he's just completely dropped off the face of the earth. She has no idea where he is. Honestly, she's probably not looking for him, but he hasn't made any contact with her. So it seems like Tracy can finally breathe. You know, like, she can let her guard down. Jason is gone. Except he's not. Yeah, we know that that's not the case. So on January 2nd of 1999, Tracy grabs her keys and heads for the back door of her house. She's supposed to be going to hang out with her parents. As she opens the back door, she's overpowered by Jason Sharp. The fight for Tracy's life begins in the kitchen. Tracy's mother waits patiently, uh, but when Tracy doesn't show up, she does call her and she doesn't get an answer. So after a few calls and waiting... Her mother, whose name is Lynn Morris, I don't think I've mentioned it up until this point, but she goes out and starts looking for Tracy. So she drives, you know, the route of travel between her house and Tracy's. She doesn't find her broken down anywhere along the route. So she finds herself at Tracy's house and her car is still in the driveway. So Lynn lets herself in through the back door and she immediately knows something's wrong. There are obvious signs of a struggle in the kitchen. Like it's tore up. There's stuff everywhere. It's a mess. And as Lynn makes her way through the house, she can hear Tracy's, like, labored, heavy breathing. And she ends up finding her in the bedroom. Now, this is where I'm going to put a disclaimer. If you don't want to know what happened to Tracy, I'm going to need you to skip ahead probably a minute. 30 seconds to a minute. I'm not sure. Because I'm going to go over it, and it is a little gruesome. Some sexual assault takes place. In her bed, Lynn finds Tracy beaten and bloodied. Her feet and hands are bound with duct tape. Her pants and underwear are around her ankles. Her bra and her shirt have been pushed up around her neck. She's obviously been raped. She was also stabbed with a screwdriver 37 times. Oh my gosh, Jason. Yeah. Horrific scene. Absolutely horrific. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, a psychiatrist said that that is one of the, like, characteristics of, like, this type of stalking because the victims want to be present for the murder. They want to, like, actively partake in the murder. And a lot of times there is overkill. But she was alive, right? Yep, she was alive. Piece of shit. Yeah, he's a big old piece of shit. Trash bag for sure. Real trash bag. So, unfortunately, Tracy did end up succumbing to her injuries at the hospital. Oh, yeah. So Tracy's mother, Lynn, did like an interview and she said through the years, like that moment's just played in her mind over and over. 
And no matter how many times she dreams it or thinks of it, no matter what she does, she can never pick her daughter up. Like she just kept trying to pick her up and she couldn't pick her up because she was just dead weight. Right. And like that gave me goosebumps. That is awful. Yeah. And I think at this point, I'm not sure, but her dad didn't really make an appearance. So I'm not really sure if he died prior to this or in the years after, but he didn't really make any sort of a, they didn't really ever mention him. So I don't know. I think it was really awful that like that Lynn found Tracy. Yeah, that sucks. By herself. Yeah, awful. So if you do the math on that, that means that um, Jason did stalk Tracy for almost two years. Started in 1997. She was murdered in 1999. I think it was 18 months is what it was. And the cops did nothing. The cops did nothing. She went to the cops. They did nothing. They said there was nothing they could do. I wonder if she had went to the cops in the beginning if they could have done something. But I really, I mean. Or if she would have went like multiple times. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, like squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yeah, but I don't know. When you don't have any solid evidence, there's really not much to do for you. So Right. And she probably felt defeated, too. Them just telling her, oh, nothing we can do. Sorry. Oh, for sure. Sucks to be you. For sure. It's really a horrible thing when you ask for help and they tell you, sorry. Sucks for you. So shortly after Tracy's murder, Jason Sharp was arrested and convicted of first degree murder. He currently sits on death row in Alabama, uh, which to me is also freaking nuts. This was in 1999. Why have they not put him to death yet? It really annoys me when we cover a case that's like 20 or 30 years old and they're still on death row. Right. Well, most most states, don't they have like a, what is it called? The moratorium? Like on death row, like they've stopped. Like they put people on death row, but they don't actually kill them or put them to death. I'm not really sure. I just think it's really crazy when we cover these cases and it's like, he's been on death row for 35 years. Yeah, I don't... Like, why even give... I don't know. Right, what's the difference between just giving a life sentence? I definitely don't think... I don't know that I'm pro-death penalty or necessarily against the death penalty. I think it depends on the crime. I'm not necessarily for it. I'm not necessarily against it. But it just really annoys me we've got all these people on death row. Why even give them the death sentence if you're not going to death them? Death them. (laughs) I don't understand it. I don't get it either. I don't know. Whatever. Well, anyway, he's just sitting on death row in Alabama. He's appealed multiple times. They keep denying his appeals. He's staying in prison. Uh, Tracy's brother, Brian, said the worst thing about all of this is that there's really just no closure in the case. He said that, like, he went and watched Jason's trial. He watched them convict Jason, and it didn't bring him anything. He said that he could watch Jason die a hundred times over, and he still wouldn't have the closure that he needs. It's probably true. I thought that was sad. Yeah. Um, after Tracy's death, her family worked diligently to try and amend Alabama law so this wouldn't happen to anyone else. And in doing so, in 2012, they passed Lacey's Law. I'd love to tell you about it, but I can't find my article. <laughs> Good. There it is. I have so many tabs open. Anyway, they pass an anti-stalking law, and it is called Tracy's Law. So essentially what it does is it offers different levels of like first degree, second degree, third degree stalking. And they carry different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Punishments? I mean, I guess punishments, whatever. So essentially it says like misdemeanor charge for behavior that under different circumstances might be considered ordinary. So they're saying like some of the things people do when they're stalking would normally be like an ordinary thing but because of the way that they're doing it that it is considered stalking so the law targets a person acting with an improper purpose 
The law targets a person acting with an improper purpose who intentionally follows, harasses, telephones, or initiates con... Why can't I fucking talk? I don't know. You've been doing so good. I know. Or initiates communication with another person, any member of the person's immediate family, or any third party with whom the person is acquainted. The behavior becomes criminal if the person is asked to stop and does not. So, Governor Robert Bentley signed this law into effect, and it would, or signed this law, it became in effect on August 1st of 2012. Well, it took long enough, but at least they have a law now. Yeah, so it said that the law requires that the stalking behavior causes material harm to the other person's mental or emotional health, or causes the person to reasonably fear that his or her employment, business, or career is threatened. Um, There's also the new second-degree stalking charge, which carries a sentence range of up to six months in jail. Ooh, six whole months. So not a huge penalty, but it said that while the penalty is important or whatever, it said like the main thing is that this person's going to have to like face a judge, and also the system's going to be made aware of the problems that he or she is causing. So that way, if they're a repeat offender, there's record of that. Yeah, I guess. So essentially, with prior laws. There had to have been a threat of violence, and with the new laws that they passed, there doesn't have to be any violence related. It can just be literally like, this person keeps calling me, and I've told them to stop. It's just any unwelcome and upsetting behavior. But again, you have to tell them, like, leave me alone, stop texting me, stop calling me, whatever. Right, and they have to keep doing it. Yeah, so. So essentially, yeah, that is the, the story of Tracy Lynn Morris and her horrible, unnecessary death. Yeah, Jason is a trash pack. He sucks. So, oh, this is what I was trying to find. So if somebody like is charged multiple times, like that's why it was important that they be put in front of a judge. I was looking for this. So once they have already been um, like in trouble for stalking, if they repeat, it then carries a penalty of 10 years and it becomes a felony. Well, that's good. And then if they do it again, it becomes like aggravated stalking and it carries a sentence of 20 years. Does it have to be on the same person or just like anyone? Like, could he stalk me, go to jail, then stalk you, go to jail for 10 years and be a felon? I don't think that it matters. I think that it's just once they've been imprisoned for stalking, they can't do it again. Gotcha. So. Well, that's good. I'm not really 100% sure, but good good for Alabama for passing that law. I wish every state had one. Yeah, that would be nice. So this article that I found about um, death row. Mm-hmm says that one of the reasons that it takes so long for people to be executed is that they have to, like, review their case and, like, make sure that they're guilty without a doubt. Uh-huh. And then also... It's good, I mean. Right. But apparently that takes a long time. So it should be. And then also for um, 12 years, there were nationwide drug shortages. So they didn't have the drugs to do the lethal injections. Gotcha. Oh, okay. I mean, no, good for them for, like, doing their due diligence and making sure that, like, they're, you know, 100% without a shadow of a doubt guilty. I just think it's so crazy. Like, why even have the death sentence at all? Right. No, I agree. If we're just going to, like, put them in prison and we're going to kill you one day, but we don't know when. Like. Yeah, that's pretty crazy to me, but. I don't know. It is crazy. I mean, good for them, though, because there's a lot of, like, old-timey cases you'll listen to, and they'll be like, so-and-so was convicted of this on Tuesday, and they were hung on Wednesday. Yeah. And then come to find out it wasn't them. So On Thursday. 
Yeah. So, I mean, no, good for them for that. I just think, I just feel like there's a lot of times where we'll be like, and they're on death row, and it's been 105 years. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. But anyway, what kind of stalker do you think that was? Um, In your humble opinion. I don't know. I mean, like, the characteristics kind of sounded like the characteristics that you said for, like, the stranger, not unorganized, what was it? Delusional. Delusional. It kind of sounded like a stranger delusional, but also they had some sort of a relationship prior. So I also feel like it could be intimate because she worked for him. Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel. Right. But like, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it wasn't a strong relationship. It was a very loose, like acquaintance relationship. Right. But you said that it could be like coworkers or professional yeah. relationships. Yeah. So. So I feel like it has the characteristics of the, that delusional stranger stalker, but like they knew each other prior. Right. But did they really know each other? Or was he already stalking her? And that's how he knew right. her. Right. That's kind of, well, I don't know if he was already stalking her and that's how I knew her, but I kind of felt like from that first moment, like that first meeting, like he showed characteristics of a stranger stalker. You know what I mean? Because it said like literally like the first time he washed her car that he like hung out at her house and like chatted with her. Right. So. So I don't know. I feel like that one could go either way. Okay. So seven types of intimate stalkers. We'll see if he fits any of these. This is an article I found from Psychology Today. It says an estimated 12 to 16% of women and 47% of men will be stalked in their lifetime. The federal government and all 50 states have enacted anti-stalking statutes that there is still no universally accepted definition of what constitutes stalking. I, I think that, that also is like the shady part because like all states do have laws on stalking, but most of them have to be violent. Right. And stalkers aren't always violent. And it's not always violent. They sometimes turn violent, but they're not always violent. I think. Okay. So when I was a teenager, I had a my yearbook which isn't a thing anymore. I don't know if you even knew what that was, but essentially it was just like a, not really a dating app, but it was like a place to like meet other people in your area. Like it gave you like recommendations, not even necessarily in your area, but it gave you like recommendations. You answered like a questionnaire and it would give you like recommendations for people with things in common. So I was super careful on my, my yearbook account. I didn't put where I lived. Like I didn't talk to anyone and tell them like, oh, I live at blah, 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 blah. But my area did say like the town that I lived in. And I felt fine with that because I feel like it's a big enough area that there wasn't a very good chance they were going to, like, find me. Right. You know what I mean? And so then I put um, – one day I posted, like, a picture of myself with, like, a hat on. And it was my hat from work. So then this person showed up at my place of work. And they're like, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so from my yearbook. And I figured out you worked here because, like, your town and the hat that you posted. And I was like, it was that moment that I knew I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, like, he seemed cool enough, whatever. So we hung out a few times. Everything was good to go. And then he just kind of got over overbearing. And I was like, all right, you know, let me distance myself. And so I started to, like, avoid him. And then there were, like, multiple occasions where he would text me and be like, hey, you want to hang out when you get off work? And I'd be like, oh, so sorry, working late tonight. And he'd be like, oh, that's weird because I'm watching you eat at Denny's. Yeah, he was creepy, dude. Super creepy. Super creepy. Um, thankfully, that just kind of fizzled out. But... I totally see where Tracy's coming from because there's not anything anyone can do. Right. Um, my best friend at that time, I didn't, she also had someone stalking her shortly after that. And we did go to the police. It was her ex-boyfriend's, or no, I'm sorry. It was her boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. And she was like showing up at our apartment and like yelling up to us on the balcony. And we went to the police and the police were like, sorry, nothing we can do. Yeah. Let us know if she gets violent. Yeah. 
Let us know if she kills you. So. Like, fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's what she told you, though. She was like, yeah, nothing we can do unless they get violent. So, I don't know. It just really sucks. Yeah. So, anyway, moving on to the seven types of intimate stalkers. You got the domestic stalker, which is a former spouse or significant other. <clears throat> Lust. Which is a serial predator who stalks victim after victim. Um, it says, like, serial rapists and murderers be- often begin as lust stalkers. For example, Ted Bundy was a lust stalker. Gotcha. Love scorned. An acquaintance, coworker, neighbor, etc. who desires an intimate relationship with the victim but is rebuffed. Celebrity. Those who stalk famous people. Political. Stalking motivated by political beliefs, which could include either agreements or disagreements with the victim. So, like, if, you know... You disagree on political views, and then you get mad, and you want to kill them, so you stalk them. Uh, and then there's also hit, or aka murder for hire, stalking of a victim by a hired killer in order to commit a murder. And then the seventh is revenge, which is an angry former employee, an aggravated business partner, partner a resentful neighbor, a vindictive relative, or any other person usually known to the victim whose motive for stalking is payback. I feel like he could be, like, the one where he wanted a relationship. I think he's love scorned. Yeah. I think that he is a stranger stalker turned love scorn. Yes. Because I do think he started off as a stranger stalker. I feel like right out of the cage, he was being creepy. Yeah. But like also, that's kind of hard. Like, it could just be like, oh, he really did just want a friend, you know? So she didn't think much of it. Like, I mean, she didn't. Right. That's kind of how it started. But I definitely think love scorned. Like, he got to know her and he was in love with her. And she was like, yeah, no, you're creepy. And he got, you know. Angry. I said he should go hang out with his wife. I take that back. His wife should have ran. Right. She should have left him. And the cop should have arrested him. I agree. No, I 100% think the cop should have arrested him. It's really annoying that nothing was done. Yep. I agree. I second that. Well, it's not uncommon that this would occur. Like I said, 54% of homicide victims, female homicide victims, reported stalking prior to being murdered. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a crazy statistic. It's a very high statistic. Yeah, I, I don't mean, like that. I don't like that either. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's our lesson on stalking. Is that all you got for me today? That is all I have for you today. All right, well. So I will out. bid you bid you good night, and I will talk to you on the flip side. On the flippity flop. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard and want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked, where you can join one of our three tiers. At the $5 level, we've got the Moderately Wicked. For $7 a month, we've got the Awesomely Wicked. And for all of those high rollers, big ballers out there, we got the $10 level, the Extraordinarily Wicked. As a member of our Patreon, you are entitled to bonus episodes. Uh, You also get a one-time shout-out on our podcast, as well as some other cool little extra things going on there. So come on over. Join our fan club. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked or you can literally just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones for a direct feed of our podcast please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com great news you can now listen to us pretty much wherever you like to listen to podcasts that's right folks we are big time you can now hear your weekly dose of wicked on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast amazon music stitcher iHeartRadio, tune in plus alexa podcast addict pod chaser pocket cast deezer listen notes player fm 
Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, Castbox, and Podfriend. The only place we can't seem to get ourselves on is Pandora. So we'll let you know when that happens. In the meantime, make sure to come back next Wednesday for your weekly, weekly dose, dose of, of wicked. wicked. But I'm. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to the great pop culture debate back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.